I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm going to share with you some of my most favorite and most popular training tips over the years from A to Z. A. Alleyway nerves for horses. Warm-up jitters washing out before your run if you have a hot type horse. There are some things you can do to help them besides just a quiet warm-up. There are products out there that can help settle their nerves. I personally use dynamite products like Relax and Quill. They're just a natural flower essence. I also like my essential oils like Lavender and Balance and Intune. They can all help a horse relax a little bit more, focus and become a little bit more grounded in warm-up and holding pins, waiting for their turn to compete. There are also great products that have Uh, better recovery as well. But just as people respond differently to things, so do horses. So you may have to try a product and see how it works out for you. Alleyway issues are usually caused for a few simple reasons. You can usually um, put it down to five or six things. Rider's nerves, rider's cues, horse's nerves, respect, pain, and the pain could be anything from a bad fitting saddle, ulcers, bleeding lungs, sore joints, sore hocks back, and also being overpressured or overran too often. So if it is your nerves, then you're going to need to work on For you, maybe singing your songs, taking deep breaths, learning how to meditate and talk to your horse and calm down, rubbing their um, hindquarters, keeping one hand on the rein, not two, put your hand down and rub their hindquarters as you're walking up and sitting in the holding pen, maybe do some calm down cues for them and some breathing exercises for you. If it's for your horse, you might need to take time off from competition and just haul to gate your horse. And gating your horse means that every fifth horse to go, you would walk up in the alleyway before the tractors start, as soon as the fifth horse comes out, and just sit quietly in the alleyway or walk a small figure eight in the alleyway out of the way of the tractors, right by the um, mouth of the arena, and then calmly sit again in the alleyway and then get out of the way before the tractor's done so you don't hold up the barrel race. That way the horse will go home and know that there was just some basic easy day for them. The holding pen can also be a place of petting and relaxation. So those are some options for you. Um, Definitely watch out for hot spots. I would absolutely um, rule out the pain and all of those things first. Make sure that you don't have an issue there. Um, sometimes a horse can just be disrespectful and just picking up an over and under or taking them into a quiet circle or disengaging their hindquarters or even just the rider being more specific about looking where they're riding to can help. If you look up and pick a fence post you want to go to, well, your reins are forward and your, your energy says forward, and then you can always add your leg if they ignore you. You can do leg laterals on your way to the alleyway. There's multiple things you can do to keep the horse more calm and relaxed and focused on the cues and not have a hot spot in the alleyway. Some horses, it is just a respect thing and you just have to 
you know, let them know that, you know, I know you're excited, but we need to keep going forward. So just watch out for those hot spots. Definitely rule out the pain. Uh, get a veterinarian exam, a chiropractor, whatever you need to do. It can even be farrier if the hooves are not balanced. No hoof, no horse. So definitely rule it out one thing at a time. And troubleshooting, I would try to stay away from somebody leading you in on foot. Um, the exception might be a child. Um, I definitely don't like the idea of a lunge whip behind them. I think the horse should respect um, the horse should respect you and go in for you. It did not become a problem overnight, so it may take time to fix as well. But it should be a priority to you to take time to fix it and not feel as though you want it fixed in one day because it didn't go bad in one jackpot or one barrel race. So it can definitely become a nightmare for you and the horse and you don't want a horse to hate their job. So definitely work on that as well. And then the other ones are quite obvious. If you're over pressuring them, uh, running them too hard, too fast or going too often, you can fix that easily as well. So the next thing in the tips with an A would be your approach to your first barrel, your arc. What is it? Why do I need it? And how much do I need? Arc is what happens from the alleyway towards first barrel. Some people take it way too straight. They'll go from the alleyway straight at the first barrel. And that'll often cause you to go topside and get by the barrel. Other people go really wide towards third barrel and then cut into first and they end up taking three or four strides more than they needed to the first barrel which is real estate and costs you time on the clock but ideally an arc should be something that happens gradually um, depending on how long the score is from the mouth of the arena to the timers to the first barrel you may go up the middle one or two strides and then head directly to your arc or you may go up the middle longer if it's a long ways down and then head to your arc. The arc should be gradual, not a big rainbow, not a straight line, but a very gradual. And every horse's sweet spot is gonna be slightly different. A little caddy horse may only need a five or six foot arc. The average horse would get away with a seven to eight foot arc. And then the big bubba might want nine to 11 foot. It just all depends on their style, size, and running or stride running style size and that's a lot of s's and stride so um and normally from there you will go to a three to five foot pocket for your spot one and spot two and three you'll think like five four three or four three two or maybe the little caddy horse three two one but definitely practice more with the four or five it's easier to tighten things up in your terms than to get that pocket back so it's good to just not go bigger than five either because you don't want more than two strides a rate and you don't want more than two strides around each barrel. So consider that as well. But definitely for your arc, it's gonna be anywhere from five to 10 feet depending on the individual horse. Um, a, another A is an all around horse. I like to make a horse an all around horse. I, don't, I think people do specialize in one discipline now to excel and that's the way things are nowadays. You know, you may just have a barrel horse or just a reining horse or just a roping horse. But if you have a super awesome foundation on your horse and they're very um, seasoned to different things, such as 
trail riding and working around cattle and stuff it would be to their benefit and just make them a great all-around horse so that they could go on and do other things like uh, cattle or roping or obstacle trails or reining dressage pole bending it's nice to have a variety so they don't get bored and also it just gives them more of a solid foundation and makes them a great horse to be around Another A is anticipation. That's a big one in barrel racing. Turns can be caused by riders. Um, anticipation of turns can be caused by riders looking in too soon, leaning in or lifting too high on that inside rein. That can teach a horse at the same time that they rate to want to turn and the horse will try to turn at their shoulder and hit barrels. To fix this issue, you're gonna wanna ride straighter longer, two hands, looking and riding up in the hole somewhere between spot one and spot two and making sure that you don't when you go to the horn you may say rate but you don't say turn so it's important you learn to ride that straighter longer if you have a horse that suffers from anticipation and it is not the rider causing it and they're just wanting to turn too soon there are things you can do to take anticipation out of a horse sometimes just sprinting in the arena will free them up working fence to fence at a walk, trot, and a lope will help as you go by the barrels all the way with their nose stopping at the fences. Be sure that you have even hands and legs on them as you ride to the fence and you're not looking at the barrel. Roll back away from the barrel and repeat the other direction at a walk, trot, and a lope. And this will teach a horse to go where you're looking and riding to and not anticipate the barrel. There are things like in and outs or straighter longer are some of my drills that I teach too anticipation as well as all lefts all rights the D pattern funnel barrels inline barrels anything that allows a horse to separate the rate and the term and I love to do them one-handed the one-handed makes you ride with more body and less rein and leg B bad behavior or not when a problem arises on an open horse there could just not be one answer good horses just don't go bad if you find a horse showing a bad behavior, they're trying to communicate with you. And it could be a young horse you're starting under saddle, a novice horse you're teaching the pattern, or an open horse during competition. If a horse starts showing negative behavior, bad behavior, please get a evaluation first with a sports medicine vet, a holistic practitioner, and give them the rest and the healing and the treatments they need to feel better. You cannot train pain. And horses don't wanna be bad. They're just trying to communicate with you. And when you ignore them talking or whispering, they start to yell and scream. That's very important to remember. And once your horse does get a clean bill of health, start back very slow and watch your education. Have you skipped steps? Do they have a good foundation? Are they broken the face laterally and vertically? Can you? move their shoulder hip and rib do they have a loose rein woe do they know how to back and roll back and side pass can they pick up their leads can they walk trot and lope a perfect circle perfect circle one hand and two-handed different sizes perfect circles are important in a barrel horse after all it's just straight lines and fast circles and many people are out there competing that cannot do a perfect circle so that is so important it is your responsibility to do the right thing by your horse. Don't just keep doing the same mistake over and over. 
fix that bad habit. If your horse hates their job, they're not going to want to do it anymore. An injury could happen to you and them. Many bad things come from a horse with a bad attitude. Overpressured, soreness, bad fitting equipment can even cause, and they're going to dread barrel racing. So try to do the right thing for them. Another B is backing. It's really important to me to have a nice back backing up on a horse. It'll teach them to be soft and light, to use their hind end, to round their top line, to break in the pole for vertical face flexion as well. You can teach them to back in um, off your body, leg, and voice with light rein cues. You can teach them to back in a circle, a straight line, with nice impulsion from your feet, um, and just using your body and your voice, and again, very light reins would be ideal. C, conditioning for competition. To prepare your horse for competition, you need, you, there's so many things to cover. First, mental soundness, physical soundness, getting them prepared to do their job, like elementary school to junior high to high school to college, and not skipping those steps. Open horses will need to be ridden at least three times a week to be ready to compete on the weekend. A novice horse could need four or five rides a week to be ready for a competition on the weekend. It's not fair to them to pull them out of the pasture and just take them on the weekend. They could get hurt and they're not prepared, and nor are you. You haven't put in the time to build the teamwork. It's important to know your horse and what works best for them. I want a quiet, loose rein, relaxed pasture ride for their mental wellness. I may do some long trotting in the hard grass and some loping for their um, muscles. And I may do some work in the sand for, for ligaments and tendons and lungs, but I mix it up. I like to cross train and I'll do maybe 10 or 15 minutes of a combination of hard grass or sand for all of the parts that I want to condition, the lungs, the muscles, the tendons, the ligaments, and more. If I have a hot horse, I'll do more walking and more bending and flexing and collection work. If I have a laid back push horse, I may sprint them once a week to keep the fun in the run. I may also do more of the long trotting and extended loping in giant circles or the entire pasture or arena. Where a free runner, I might do more spirals or collected circles to keep them thinking, relax, and collection. I watch my horse's horsonality and I see if they're happy. I trust my gut feeling with my horse to make sure they're ready to compete or not. I'll always try to listen to my inner voice. If I don't think they're ready, I'll rest them, I'll call the vet, or I'll just know that there's always another weekend to race. I only race when I think they're ready. Keep a really close eye on their soundness when you groom them and stretching their neck, neck and legs and um, as you palpate their body. After each ride, your hands and your brushes can also find sore spots, so pay attention to all the details. C, common courtesy. There is another thing called barrel racing etiquette. Excuse me. Those of you new to barrel racing may not know about it. So here are a few things you may want to consider. When parking at a barrel race, try to park where you leave plenty of room on both sides for people to tie their horses to avoid kicking or crowding. When riding in the arena, everybody that's walking or slow jogging should be going the same way along the rail. 
And if there's nowhere else to lope, try to lope circles in the middle of the arena and everybody trying to go the same way would be a smart idea as well. Do not run up on people when they're doing a slow exhibition. Wait your turn. They paid for their exhibition just like you. Let them finish their pattern before you go. They paid to be there too and may be needing to do slow work for their hotter, freer horse. And you may want to do more runs for your push horse. Always stand in the line for the exhibitions, allowing horses on one side to go in and room for others to exit on the other side. Do not race or run in the arena full of horses walking because there could be colts or kids and someone could get hurt. Same with sprinting by a bunch of trailers with horses tied to them. Somebody could get hurt. So I know that it all sounds like common sense, but you'd be surprised how often it happens at barrel races. D. Draw reins and martingales. I'm not a huge advocate for either. I believe in a solid foundation in time, and I think you can teach a horse to give to pressure and release without all of the gadgets and band-aids. I think sometimes people don't want to take the time, so they use them, you know, to make up for maybe a rider's hands that aren't as um, responsive. But I really like to be able to use the lightest pressure. If I can give a, get a horse to give with a pinky and give them that release as soon as I feel it, I would prefer to do that than have to worry about martingales or draw reins that aren't quite adjusted right or put my horse too bendy or too on their front end or anything else. It's just something that I'm not a huge fan of because as soon as you take those off, the horse still doesn't know how to give to pressure because they've been fighting their self. For me, it's always seemed like a band-aid or a quick fix. So again, I would prefer, and I don't care if I'm in a snaffle or a side pull, they can still learn to give to pressure, whether they're in a halter even, they can learn to give to pressure. Remember, the release is when the horse learns. So those are things that you may want to consider. I know people use them because they feel like it's a mechanical advantage and it gets their horse to bring their head down or in quicker and without so much work from the rider but to me it's still not going to be something that you'll ever be able to take off and have the horse broke and so those horses usually end up in tie downs and bigger shanked bits as well in my opinion no bit or training device is going to give you that 30-day miracle nothing replaces quality time and horsemanship going back to basics using give-and-take pressure that is how a horse learns, when you ask and they give you the right, correct answer and you release. Another D is discipline. How should I teach the right thing is easy and the wrong thing is difficult. How much is enough firmness or too much? I always have a rule for me that small increments that they can understand, meaning I set them up for a yes answer. I'm not going to teach lead changes if they don't even know how to put their shoulder out and their hip in. So again, setting a horse up for the level that they are at is really important. If a horse you know is trained but choosing to be difficult, do some lunging for respect on the ground or maybe do some one-ring stops and disengaging their hindquarters several times until they do what they ask. That can usually be enough discipline. Or if they're just not focused in the saddle, 
ignore it and work on something else for a little while maybe just long trotting a little bit more or doing something different and then going back to what you were trying to accomplish when they're a little less fresh and a little more focused remember to expect less if they've had a week off and expect more once you've rode them two or three days in a row I have a rule that if I do have to punish a horse it doesn't last for more than three seconds because then it's revenge I'll never do that but if a horse does bite kick strike um, anything like that at me um, they are going to think that God is coming down and their world is ending for about three seconds I'm going to holler at them and pop them on the shoulder or the hip and let them know that that's not okay but of course I would hope that I saw long before I ever had a bite a kick or a strike coming that I never got to that point so um, always rule out that they're not in pain or don't understand a cue so I think there's a lot of things that you can do before you ever have a horse get to that point and they probably won't if you pay attention to when you're working with them in the early stages of whispering and communicating with them with your body language and listening and understanding theirs um, working off pecking order is very important you need to be the alpha of your herd even though you're just a herd of two I think it's very important that they understand that you're going to always train them with boundaries and love and respect and communication and trust just as though communication of cues just as though you would a child you're going to have some discipline and some boundaries but it is going to be very fair and just and I respect the heck out of my horses I don't ask them for anything that's going to get, get them hurt I won't run them if I don't think it's the right time I don't push them before I think they're ready and I think respecting your horse is how you get their trust another D is drills Drills are better for horses than just doing the pattern over and over, in my opinion. I think it keeps them focused on the rider and makes you a better team. Just like when you see a basketball or baseball coach, they have them work on certain aspects of their game, not just actually playing real games every time. They just develop certain parts to perfection and muscle memory by working individually on different things. E extra care by doing extra things for your horse like cookie stretches for their neck leg stretches massages holistic treatments sports medicine checkups regular exercise for fitness um, cold hosing liniments poultices lasers back on tracks um, there's so much more you can do for your horse to help them stay sound mentally and physically for this tough sport that we do E for expectations. You need to have a realistic expectation and goal for each horse. Every horse learns at their own pace and what comes easy to one could be hard for another. They do not all mature at the same pace. Examples are how long it takes to teach. One solid basics or the barrels could take a whole lot longer with another before you can add speed and some work great outdoors, but get scared in a covered or indoor building. You must learn when to back off pressure, when to give them time to learn in a low pressure event that builds their confidence and doesn't take it from them. E for exhibitions. 
whether you should exhibition or not. Young horses learning the barrels, not competing yet? Absolutely. I'll buy three or four and work on perfect form, slow and correct, and building confidence in new arenas and ground conditions. The novice horse competing, it depends on the horse if they're spooky or laid back or lacking confidence. I'll buy one or two and I'll go slow to build their confidence and to see what they're thinking and get their focus on me. If they're a lazier horse, I may do one perfect slow and then one a little bit faster to wake them up or get their attention at a lope. The open horse competing for a year or longer, I no longer want them dependent on the exhibitions and they shouldn't need them. The only exception would be a new arena or you, when you feel it might benefit them to go slow and just get them relaxed. You don't want to depend on them because you can't at rodeos and sometimes super shows if you don't get their days in advance. When problems arise, you can always go back to slow exhibitions. It's a great idea to work on rate or proper position, pocket, perfect pattern slow before a competitive run or instead of competing. Some people waste their horse in exhibition and take the try and want to out of them. So know your horse and do what's best for them. But exhibitions are not meant to be running your horse over and over. They are actually a time to just go slow and work on perfect practice. I'm gonna stop with this as part one and come back since it's been 25 minutes with part two on another podcast. But at this time, I would like to thank all of my sponsors that sponsor my clinics and my um, virtual coaching group, Twisted Can Chasers, Blue Creek Photography, Clover Charms, Crafty Cowgirl Florida. Thank you to all of them for sponsoring my clinics and my virtual group. And as always, ride with heart and tune in for part two of Tina's Tips.